Hello and welcome to the Forge Church Catch-Up Podcast. We're delighted that you've chosen to press play on this podcast today. My name is Johnny and I'm part of the teaching team here at the Forge. Each Sunday, our hope and prayer is to provide practical teaching directed by God that ties into everyday life. We hope that today's talk encourages you. What would your money say if it could talk? I love the VT that we've just watched because I don't know about you, I just relate to it so much. When you watch that, I imagine if you're like me, you have a purchase in mind that just makes you cringe as you think back and when you bought it and you thought it was such a good idea. And now you look at it and think, why on earth did I decide to buy that? It makes you clench up and sweat because you're so embarrassed by it. When we talk about money talks and what our money would say if it could talk, Chances are you wouldn't be surprised by what it would say. In fact, many of you know exactly what your money would say. But whether you're here and you know that you're great with money, or maybe you're someone who knows they're awful with a credit card, whether you're a Christian or whether your first time in church is watching us online today, welcome. I'm glad that you're here sitting comfortably in your own home as we address maybe what could be quite an uncomfortable conversation around your money and what it could say if it could talk. When it comes to money talks, as I said, chances are you know exactly what it could say. That might not surprise us all that much. But what we might be surprised by is what Jesus would say or what Jesus did say when he was around and he did talk about money. What might put you at ease a little bit is that Jesus spoke a whole lot about money. In fact, when you look at his stories, his parables that he was famous for, his teachings, he said about 35 different parables or maybe 38, depending on how you count it. But 16 of those were all about possessions, all about money. He spoke about money more than he spoke about hell. And yet what might put you at ease a little bit is in spite talking so much about it, he never asked for any of it. It's almost the opposite of the reputation that the church has, who might talk about it not at all, and yet always seem to be asking for it. And so I'm not going to ask you for any of your money, but what I am going to do is that I'm going to start a conversation with us today about what your money would say if it could talk, and what Jesus said about money, and maybe how it's a different idea to what we've had before. So what would our money say if it could talk? I think it could say something a little bit like this. I can add meaning to your life, but I am not the meaning of life. In other words, money is a means to an end. But if you treat money as the meaning of life, at the end of your life, you might find that you have really nothing else. Money is a means to an end. It can add meaning to your life. In fact, anything that is meaningful is a means to an end. Anything that's meaningful is a means to an end. Think about that for a second. A couple of Christmases ago, chances are that you may have seen kids on those hoverboards, those sort of flat boards with wheels on the end that you can stand on. And if you tilt in a particular way, you can sort of zoom around and it's like you're flying or hovering. What I find fascinating about that is that two years ago, they were immensely popular. Every kid seemed to be wanting to have them for Christmas. And yet because it's illegal to use them on public pavements or public roads, they really lost all of their meaning. They were kind of fun for a little bit, but there's a reason that they didn't catch on. There's a reason nobody used, uh, uses them anymore. Because actually, anything that has meaning, uh, anything that is meaningful, is a means to an end. And if it doesn't have an end, it's not going to be meaningful. Your money is a means to an end. and You have to decide what that end is going to be. 
Jesus shared this story when he was on earth that really sums this idea up brilliantly. In fact, Luke, who was one of Jesus's followers, he records the events of what happened when Jesus shared this story. And it was so significant, it reached this document that found its way into what we now know as the New Testament. And Jesus was there. He was sitting down with his disciples, with his close followers. And Jesus decides to share a story that sums up this idea of money being a means to an end and what that can mean for us superbly. This is what Jesus says. Now, bear in mind that his disciples would have known this is a story. And whenever Jesus shared stories, there tended to be two different people involved in the story. There normally was one person or one thing that would represent God and God's ideas and God's ideal. And there normally used to be another thing or another person that represented humanity in some way. And the story would somehow bring together an idea or a lesson over who God was to people. And so this was Jesus's story. This is what Jesus said. Jesus told his disciples there was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. There was a rich man. A rich man who had so much to manage, he couldn't manage it for himself. So he has this manager who was accused of wasting his possessions. And so he pulls his manager in and this is what he says. So he called him in and asked him, what is this I hear about you? Give an account of your management because you cannot be a manager any longer. Now hold on to this idea for a second. Isn't it interesting? If there was somebody else in your life, and maybe for some of you there is, who was in charge of spending your money, but they spent your money in the way that you spend your money. Chances are you are going to be far more critical over how they spend your money more than you would ever be critical over how you spend your money. And this is exactly what happens. There's this rich man, the master, who has someone who manages his possessions. And then he realizes that this manager is not doing a good job. So he calls him in and he says, you're not going to be a manager anymore. But what I'm going to do before I let you off, I want you to go out to all of the people who owe me money. And I want you just to tie up loose ends. Because at the end of the day, I want you to come back to me because you are not working for me anymore. So the manager has a problem. And this is what the manager asks himself. The manager said to himself, what shall I do now? You see, this story isn't just going to be a story about money. It's also going to be a story about time. This manager has a limited window, a limited opportunity, limited resource, limited time. What am I going to do now? My master is taking away my job and I'm not strong enough to dig. And I'm ashamed to beg. I'm an inside working kind of guy, maybe a little bit like me. And then he goes on to say this. I know what I'll do so that when, because it's limited time, limited opportunity, limited resource, so that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their house. In other words, I need to be careful. I need to be sure over what my end is going to be with the limited resource I have now. And so this is what this manager does. He goes out. So he called into each one of his master's debtors. He asked the first, how much do you owe my master? And they say, 900 gallons of olive oil, they replied. And the manager told him, take your bill, sit down quickly because he has a limited opportunity, limited resource, limited time. Sit down quickly and make, make it 450. And you can imagine the other guy sitting across the table being like, hang on, 900 to 450? 
hey, Faye, if there's, if there's anything I can do, like, let me know. And, and maybe that favor will come around quicker than maybe he thinks. And so then he goes on to somebody else and he asks the second, and how much do you owe? A thousand bushels of wheat, he replied. And he told him, take your bill and make it 800. Hey man, like, thank you. Like, hey, if there's any way I can, I can do you a favor, like, just, just come to me because, because this has changed things for me. And the guys may be thinking, well, maybe that favor will come round quicker than you know. And the implication is here that he just goes round to more and more people, more and more of this rich man's debtors and does the same thing and same thing and same thing. And then in the eyes or the minds of the disciples, hearing this for the first time, and maybe you're hearing this story for the first time, you're thinking, when the rich guy finds out, what is going to happen to the manager? When the rich guy finds out, this is not going to end well for the manager. This guy is going to have to pay up. This guy is going to be thrown in jail. This guy is going to have what's coming to him. And yet what happens is not what the disciples expect. What happens is something in which Jesus is going to use to show people that God's idea of money, the master's idea of money is not how we would often see money. And so Jesus has his disciples gathered around. He's got them hooked. They're wondering what's going to happen to this manager. And then the story continues. The master commended the dishonest manager. The master commended the dishonest manager. He slaps his thigh. He laughs, pats the guy on the back. He's got the better of him. Commends the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. Because he had thought things through because he knew that this manager had a limited opportunity this guy had a limited amount of time this guy had a limited window he had thought things through he had treated this money as a means to an end and as he had thought things through he decided on getting the best end possible in other words this guy really had learned his lesson he wasn't wasting money anymore and the disciples would have sat there and thought, what on earth is going on? This, like, this is not okay. Like, this isn't, this cannot be the end of the story here. But then Jesus gathers around his disciples and he pulls out of the story for a second. And the people can't believe that this is the end of the story. And, and Jesus has just sort of seemed to commend dishonesty. But Jesus is making a point. Jesus is making a point that the way that God sees money is different to how you and I might see money. Jesus is making a point that money is a means to an end. And we have to decide what that end is going to look like. And so Jesus leaves them waiting for a second and he leaves me and you waiting for a second. And as he pulls out the story, Jesus makes his point. For the people of this world, for the people of this world, for the people who see nothing else but a birth certificate and a death certificate, for the people of this world who see nothing more than what there is to see, for the normal people who go through life drifting and before they know it, they reach the end of themselves. For the people of this world, they are more shrewd. They think things through more carefully in dealing with their own kind than they are of the people of the light. Now, the people of the light listening to this would have been people from a Jewish community. Uh, that's how they would have referred to themselves. And this sort of idea of people of the light was a title that really extended outwards to the Christian church after Jesus's death and resurrection. And so Jesus is making a point. People of this world, they think things through more carefully. 
They think things through. They know that their money is a means to an end. And so then Jesus continues. I tell you, use worldly wealth. Worldly wealth. Jesus is about to say something that completely transforms everything, that gives us our idea of money that could be completely different to how we would naturally normally view it. Use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it is gone, because it will be gone, it will have an end. You will have an end and will be gone too. When it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. And this is where it gets interesting. This is where it gets interesting because you should not take this seriously. And I should not take this seriously if Jesus didn't go on to do what he did next. You see, for this moment, people were probably listening to Jesus and they wouldn't have fully got the lesson. But here's the thing about Jesus. Any person who predicts and pulls off their own death and resurrection, we should listen to what they have to say around resurrection. We should listen to what they have to say around eternal dwellings. And maybe I've lost you for a little bit, but just hold on. Because what Jesus is implying here is fascinating. Jesus is implying what you do with your money today could have an eternal consequence, could have an eternal meaning. When you treat your money as a means to an end, when you decide that that end is going to go beyond yourself, your money can go beyond yourself. In other words, this, your money isn't coming with you. And you know this, you've been told this, your money isn't coming with you, but it can make a difference that goes beyond you. What you do with your money can have an eternal consequence. Your money is a means to an end and you get to decide whether that end ends with you or goes beyond you. And here's the thing around this. And because you've seen just enough of it to know, when you live within a margin which allows you to take something that has the potential to go beyond you and it's used for differences and for people that go beyond you, you know that's where joy lives. You know that's where peace lives. And if it is the case that every penny you know has the potential and can be leveraged to go beyond yourself, you need to ask yourself a question. The question is this, how can I leverage more of what I own as a means to an end that is not me? How can I leverage more of what I own, take more of what I have and give it an eternal consequence that goes beyond just me. Hey, the money you own, the money you own is a means to an end and you have to decide what is going to be its end. Jesus' lesson is clear. You have a limited time, a limited opportunity and a limited resource and you have to decide what is going to be the end of that means. I have a close friend, a guy called Jack, who We've been speaking um, uh, over the last couple of weeks. And for the last little while, probably over the past year, he's been going on a journey that he would say is perhaps the most important journey, a faith journey in his life so far. And something that he's been saying over and over to me is that it's been his perspective on finance, his perspective on money, that's really propelled him into a place of greater joy and a more exciting faith. Now, this guy is a young guy, he's well-paid job, good salary, uh, good way, uh, a good position in life. 
But he said once he was able to recognize that money was a means to an end, when he was able to recognize that money wasn't going to last forever, when he was able to recognize that the money he owns, he didn't really fully own. Because one day, whether he liked it or not, it was going to be detached from him. The way in which he viewed finance propelled him into a place in which his faith journey thrived. His life thrived. He would say now that he is in a more joyful, more happy, more content place than he's ever been before. In fact, one of the lines that he says is that he's found his adventure to live. His adventure to live, he says, is to make as much money as he possibly can so that he can give it away. And I look at that and I look at the wisdom in that and the boldness in that that he can recognize that his money is one day going to be gone. His life is one day going to be gone. And in the meantime, he has a short while to recognize where is his money going to go? And you have to try and decide the same because we have all lived a life where we don't think like that. We have all been in a position where we are not able to recognize that our money is a means to an end, where we treat our money as the end. Or worse, we don't think of our money at all. And all of a sudden we find ourselves in a situation where we are a slave to it rather than seeing something that was always supposed to be useful. You have to decide what is going to be the end. You have to ask yourself this question. How can I leverage more of what I own as a means to an end that's not me? Let me pray for you. Father God, you have given us gifts of finances. You've given us a gift of money. And Lord, we all know what it's like to abuse that gift. We all know what it's like to feel a slave to that gift. And Lord, we are sorry if we've ever been in a situation where we've treated money as the end goal. And Lord, we need to recognize that anything that's meaningful is a means to an end. Anything that holds meaning is a means to an end. And we get to decide what that end is going to be. And so Lord, I want to ask for every household watching now, that you might bring a transformation there in which they would be able to recognize, we would be able to recognize, I would be able to recognize what that end could look like. What that end could be that goes beyond ourselves. What that end could be that transforms stuff into stories. Thank you, Lord, for the potential of what we own, that it can go beyond us. Help us to be wise. Thank you, Lord. That's all for this week. Thanks once again for joining us. We'd love to keep the conversation going, so why not check out Forge Church UK on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram? Or go online at forgechurch.com where you can watch other content, find a next step, give financially, or see any details of what's currently going on in and around the Forge. We're looking forward to you joining us next time.